Amen. Please turn in your Bible to Galatians chapter 3. How many of you have ever moved from a city or left a job and you knew that you weren't going back? You knew that that time there was done. Um, it's an interesting thing when we know that those changes take place in our life. But that's also true spiritually. When we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, we get brand new life in Christ. We walk into grace, not law. And we're not to go back. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, about don't go back. And so as we look at don't go back, we're going to learn not to be fooled. We're going to learn faith is not new and that we're free from the curse. And so we're going to pick up in Galatians 3 and we're going to read verses 1 through 14. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, you are now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you, do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith. Even so, Abraham believed God and was reckoned him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. The scripture foreseen that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel before Ab beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed in you. So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. For as many as are of the works of the law are under curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. Now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident. For the righteous man shall live by faith. However, the law is not of faith. On the contrary, he who practices them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, in order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the promise of faith, for the promise that comes through faith. For the promise of the Spirit given to us. And Father, I pray this morning as we walk through this. That we'll not return to Egypt again. We'll not go back and think now that we're saved that we're still under bondage. Help us to understand the freedom that we have. And the delight of what it means to serve you in that. Thank you for what you're doing here this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to begin this by talking to you about don't be fooled. We're to not be fooled. He talks to the Galatians here and he calls them foolish because they had been bewitched in returning to the works of the law instead of continuing in faith. 
They had been saved. They had come to know Jesus Christ. They put their faith and trust in him in his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. And Judaizers had come in. And Peter got uh, swept into that as well. We know that from earlier passage in this book that uh, Paul had to stand with him face to face and deal with that. And so they had been swept back into this to be right with God. You've got to continue to do these things. Now, let me address, let me address something. Paul addressed this in Romans. Anytime you tell people they're free, there's this automatic thought of, well, that means I can live however. That means that what I do doesn't matter if I'm completely free. And Jesus, Jesus did not set us free to sin. We were already doing that. Jesus set us free so that we could experience the life of Christ within us and not have to worry about the requirements of being accepted any longer. He set us free so that we can have a relationship with him and not worry about that judgment upon us. And so when he sets us free, we're free indeed. But the true Christian doesn't have a desire to go out and sin all the more. And if that is... If that is our first thought, then there's a couple things we ought to check. And so when we talk about that, they had been bewitched. They had been, um, it, it really this word bewitched is a very interesting word. You don't hear that much from the, except for the 70s TV show, right? <laughs> the young people just looked at me. <laughs> They're like, what are you talking about? The word bewitched really is the word baskeino and it means to slander and so to slander means to lie about someone so here they had believed the lie that there's an additional element and that was deception that was going on that there's it's Christ plus something listen if Jesus is not enough then we're in bad trouble, folks. Jesus is enough. What he did was sufficient. In him, I fulfill all of the law, and he leads me into those things. Jesus, if I let the Holy Spirit lead in my life, does not lead me to lie. He doesn't lead me to covet. He doesn't lead me to steal. He doesn't lead me to murder. That's would be contrary to the law. So that's how it works. We're not free to do those things. We're free from trying to keep from doing those things. Because if we're led by the Spirit, we will fulfill the things of God. That's how it works. That's why he didn't do away with it. The source by which we we meet the law or meet the requirements of God was met when Jesus died for us. And when we're placed in him and he is in us then we are truly free. We have talked about this before. The Bible says that Jesus, how many of you ever heard that Jesus took on himself the sin of the world? Have you ever heard that before? You want to hear something really interesting? That's not in the Bible. Don't anybody leave yet. (laughs) The Bible says that he became sin for us. So that we might become the righteousness of God. So he who was perfect that was placed on the cross. Who could never sin became it. And was punished for all of it. So how can he make us righteous? 
Well, if the perfect can become sin, the imperfect can become righteous. He crossed that threshold himself so we can, he can take us back and cross the threshold to be with him. But that's how it works. And so they had gone back. In other words, <laughs> who lied to you? He was talking to them about being bewitched. Who lied to you so craftily about Christ that you bought it? That you bought it. You know, I, this is, I'm going to get in trouble here a little bit. That's okay. Because I think some of those same things are creeping back into the church. Well, if you don't do this, if you don't do that, you don't, you know, you don't do these things, you're not right with God. Listen, all my sin from the moment of my birth to death has been forgiven in Christ or I'm lost, right? Now, that doesn't give me the freedom to go sin. That makes me want to not add to it, (laughs) right? Real joy. You don't have to worry about that with genuine Christians. It's the world or those who are putting on a cloak that say, oh man, then I can do whatever. The beauty and the joy of Christ is I'm free from that burden to live unto you. And so, but they had been brought back in and I think we've done that. Have you had your quiet time? Have you ever anybody ask you that? January 3rd? <laughs> How's your quiet time going? How's this? I'm going to, you ever made New Year's resolutions for the Lord? I'm going to do this for him. How many of you have ever kept it since the day you made that? Exactly. What a bunch of failures you are. <laughs> but that's what we hear, right? Isn't that what we hear in our mind or what we think or how we feel? And why? Because the law brings death. That's Romans 5. But grace brings life and peace. And as long as we keep putting that stuff on ourselves, we're never going to live in the freedom. And that's what they were doing. Jesus said, if I've set you free, you're free indeed. You're not free to sin. You're free from the penalty. You're free from from the responsibility. Jesus paid it. And he took that for us. That's what grace is about. And so he talks to them about about being bewitched. Don't be fooled, ladies and gentlemen. See, they had seen part part of what puzzled him is they had seen the crucifixion firsthand. You saw it. These were people that were all the way in the region of Galatia. That's really interesting to me. We probably had to do some more study on that. The fact that he said that you'd seen this firsthand. Now they had spread out. Because remember, that was the time of the Passover. Everybody had come in. They had been spread out after that. They had seen Jesus crucified. They had seen it. You witnessed directly the cost of the law and what happened to Christ. They had seen the cost. So why would they return? Why would you go back? Why would you go back to something that doesn't give life? That just shows you how much of a failure you are. We know that's why we surrendered to Christ. We know that we don't do it. We know that we're not able to do that on our own. And he begins to ask them if they had received the Holy Spirit by works or faith. Which is an interesting question. Do we receive the Holy Spirit because we do enough good and God grants the Holy Spirit to us? That seems ridiculous, doesn't it? We receive the Holy Spirit when when He convicts us of our sin. We turn our life to Christ and we put our faith in Him. 
in that moment, we're made brand new. We receive the spirit of God. We receive a new spirit within ourselves because our old man was crucified with Christ. Is dead. And we get a new spirit. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit takes up residence. And so why wouldn't we continue with faith from that point forward? Why wouldn't we continue to say, this is how I grow. This is how I walk. I walk in the same way. I surrender in the same way. I listen in the same way. I follow in the same way. You know, we're a lot more comfortable with knowing what we can do and what we can't do, aren't we? We want to know the rules so that we can follow them. Instead of walking in faith and letting him lead in the moment. We're more concerned about our own comfort than letting him be in charge. And so we got to be careful that we don't take lead of our lives, we allow him to lead. And so Paul argues with them, if they had begun by faith and received the Holy Spirit by faith, why would you go back to works to grow in faith? Man, and this is sold across churches in America today. Work harder, try harder, repent again. Recommitment, rededicate your life to Christ. You ever heard that one? Let me tell you something. If you know Christ, you don't need a rededication. You're 100% there. You don't know how I act. You don't know how I talk. You don't know what my thoughts are like. That's okay. You don't know mine either. But when we bring them into subjection, it's just a matter of surrendering or not surrendering. It's a matter of walking or not walking. And it's a fearful thing to give up control. We got any control freaks in here? Thank you. Three of us. The rest of y'all are lying. (laughs) We're control freaks. We want to be in control. We're not comfortable when we don't have a good beat on it, when it's outside of what we can handle. It's a very scary place to just trust the Lord. Is it? Why are we afraid to trust him? You know what it comes down to? We think he may not deliver the way we want. He may not come through the way I want him to. He may not, because he didn't answer this prayer the way I prayed it. You ever been there? I've been there. Well, I'm praying, Lord, and you're not answering my prayer. You're not hearing my prayer? What's wrong? How come you're not answering my prayer? Because when we pray, we expect a certain response, don't we? We expect God to do it like this. Have you ever had prayed a prayer and had God be completely silent? You know, it's funny. I was reading the other day. He started working on me with this one. This is, I'm growing here too. So just work with me as I grow through this. Uh, I started asking him why he doesn't answer prayers sometimes of mine. And he said, because they've already been answered. You're just not allocating the, the, the answer. And I was like, ooh, that's not the answer I wanted. <laughs> but I already have victory over those things. I already have 
the power uh, from God to share Christ. I already have the presence of the Holy Spirit with me. And so do you. Everywhere you go. Well, it's only where two or three are gathered in my name. No, Jesus said, I'm in them and they're in me. And there's no separation. If you're saved, he's with you all the time. Sometimes that's comforting and sometimes it's not. Depending on... And we, we're, we judge ourselves completely by behavior. Don't we? Well, you know, if I would just do the right things or how come I keep struggling with this one thing or how come I can't get my life together? You ever been there? You ever ask yourself those questions? I've been there too. And the reason is because I'm trying to... I'm going to tell you. I'm going to give you the answer this morning. The reason that doesn't work is because I'm trying to put together a life that's different than what God has for me. And he will stifle everything that's not part of the plan he has for me from the foundation of the world. The Bible says that he has laid out works for us to do from the foundation of the world. And I'm going to tell you, if you're frustrated this morning, that's why. If you're willing to surrender and say, I give up. You see, that's what frustration does to us. It makes us give up, doesn't it? I'm so frustrated with you, I'm just going to give up. He frustrates us so that we finally give up on the thing that he does not have for us. So he can embrace the better thing that he does. I've never known somebody to stand there with $100 when I was offering to trade them for $10,000. Every one of you would give me 100 bucks if I gave you 10000 back, wouldn't you? And everybody said, Amen. Amen. <laughs> right? So see, but if I just asked you for $100, that's a different thing. There's a willingness. See the difference in the willingness? That's the willingness he's talking about. And so don't be fooled. Don't go back. Don't go back. <laughs> Listen, he reminds them that the works they, of, they've seen God do have all come through faith and not by works. Listen, we see God work when we walk by faith. Not when we decide we're going to go do something for God or we're going to we're going to try to we're going to effort it, we're going to try harder. You ever been frustrated? When we surrender and we think we hear God speak, listen, if you think you hear God speak, act on it. If you think you hear God speak, you can ask him, is this, if this is you, Lord, show me as I obey it. If it wasn't you, don't let me be deceived as I move forward toward it. And he'll show you. Because you're moving. Somebody told me a long time ago, it's easier to turn a moving truck than one sitting still. You got to be moving. And so don't be fooled, folks. Don't be fooled. Don't go back to Egypt. Don't go back to, well, now that I'm saved, I got this huge list. I call it grace law. We do it all the time. You want to know what I was told? Pray every day. Have a Bible study. Um, go to church every time the doors are open. You need to be in ministry. You need, I mean, all those things. You know what I was doing before they told me that? I was reading my Bible on my own. It was fun. I wanted to go to church. I wanted to talk to the Lord. And then when I found out I had to do it, I didn't want to do it anymore. 
How many of you secretly have a chore that you enjoy at home? I'm not going to ask you what they are because I'm not have to out you. <laughs> Mine was laundry. I'll out myself. I like doing laundry. Some people hate doing laundry. But I like them. Some people like vacuuming. Some people like... But if I have to do it, it changes the joy of it. That's what the law does. The Bible says that. It's in Romans 5. Read it. And so don't be fooled. We also discovered through this passage that faith was not new. They were like, well, there was a time of grace and then faith all of a sudden came on the scene and it's messing everything up. Because here's the Galatians, they're being told. The Galatians were told it was Christ plus all these things you have to do. And they gave them the list. And it's not faith, but like faith is some new thing. So he tells them, Paul essentially tells the Galatians, that if someone's trying to sell you on the idea that faith is a new concept and therefore cannot be from God, realize that faith has been the standard from the beginning. And he makes two points in this passage about that. He talks about Abraham's faith that was reckoned as righteousness. We know that that has to do when he was going up and was going to sacrifice his son. And he said, he saw my day and was glad. And his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. See, Abraham, when we think of Abraham, we think of the father Abraham. You know that song? And we think of him as the father of Israel. I think we're wrong. I think he's the father of faith. He didn't do that because of Israel. He did that because of God. It was his faith that brought him into a relationship with the Lord. Not his birthright. When he put his faith in God, that is the only place that said it was accounted to him as righteousness. Not by birth. It was his faith. And so he goes back and says, look, Abraham... Is an example of faith. You're counting on him for this, but you're not seeing the whole picture. His second point to them was that the inclusion of the Gentiles was from the beginning when Abraham was told, All the nations will be blessed in you. But they only saw him as for them, for one nation. But all the nations, how are all the nations blessed in him? The only way is through faith. And so they were missing out on the fundamental point here is that it's always been faith. It's always been faith in the Lord. The the Gentiles are not forgotten, but the Jews aren't either. It's faith. And it was meant to be spread to all nations of the world. And so when you think of Abraham... He is the father of faith, not just the father of the Jews. He's a father of faith. We can look to his example of faith. I mean, imagine. How many of you have ever read the story where he went up with his son? Was told to sacrifice his son, right? 
His son is carrying the rope. And he says, uh, Dad, <laughs> I see the rope. I see the knife. <laughs> but where's the sacrifice? And you know what Abraham said? God will provide himself a sacrifice. Now the words are important. He didn't say he would provide for himself. He said he would provide himself a sacrifice. Then when we read that it said, when we read where it says, Abraham saw my day and was glad. He saw Christ because our faith is in Christ. It's the only way we're made righteous. And so when he said he will provide himself, he's talking about Jesus Christ. He will provide himself a sacrifice. That's when he saw Christ. Go back and read it for yourself. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but it's really important. Very important in the scriptures that we actually read what they say. He leaves us in this passage with the, uh, with the truth that we're free from the curse. See, if you live by the law and do not keep the law, then you're cursed. You know, there's a movement that went through Flickerville, actually, that said, we've got to keep all the law to be right with God. I knew some of the folks involved. I know some of them involved with it. Let me tell you something. In Christ, I've kept all the law. Because Jesus did. I lost some good friends over this. I asked them about what do you do about Galatians. They say, yeah, it's a problem. <laughs> How can you hold something as true if it's a problem? With scripture. Listen, we yield to scripture, not scripture to us, folks. This book is the answer. The problem with having to keep the law, you've got to keep every bit of it. I wanted to ask them where their temple was and where the laborers were. And where their, their pure bulls and goats and lambs were. If you're going to, if you're going to play that game, you got to play it all the way. You got to go the whole extent. You got to observe the Passover on the seventh year. You got to sit and not work at all. The year of Jubilee. Let's, let's go down that path. See, we want to keep the things we're comfortable with and not deal with all of it. Because the truth is nobody can keep all of it except Christ. That's why the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But God commended his love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so we're free. See, even if... So let's, let's go to the next stage. Even if you kept the whole law, let's say you did it all. You still don't have hope. Because nobody's justified by it. It says it. So even if I could do all of that, I'm not justified by it. So it was never meant to bring justification into our life. 
It was meant to actually reveal sin. And there's even a verse that says it was meant to increase sin. That's really uncomfortable, isn't it? But it says it. So the answer is not what we do. The answer is who we know. The answer is listening to him. I know that's uncomfortable, but look it up. It's in there, I promise. Jesus is enough. Because here's what you get. If I were able to live the whole law, what I'm left with is self-righteousness. Because I did it. And self-righteousness in itself is sin. So then, in doing everything in the law, I've broken the law because of self it's, it's a circular problem. I cannot be justified by the law. It doesn't justify me. So what does? The righteous will live by faith. And the law is not of faith. So that is a result. So what we hear preached though is. Well if you want to be righteous live by faith. That's not what it says. The righteous, those who have been made righteous, watch them. They live by faith. They walk with the Lord. They follow Him. They hear His voice and they, they obey it. I don't live, I don't become righteous because I'm going to try to live by faith. I'm going to make, so God, give me some righteousness. I need righteousness. You are 100% righteous right now. But you don't know what I've done. Isn't it a good thing it doesn't depend what you've done? Because it's all forgiven. Amen. But it doesn't feel right, does it, to us? It feels like there ought to be some penalty for what we've done wrong. We've been taught that on our backsides growing up, right? Most of us. Some of us more than others. Amen. I'm so glad God doesn't see us that way. Isn't that cool? Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. And what is the curse of the law? The curse of the law is death. He redeemed us from death. So the Gentiles could have the same faith Abraham had and receive the promise of the Spirit by faith. So Jesus died for us so we could enter by faith and not works. Nobody, 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 nobody has ever entered by works. Nobody. Nobody. Works are our works are a result of gratitude and joy, not to become, but because of what He's done. So realize the works of the law and the works of Christ are different. One is self-effort that leads to death; the other is spirit-led and spirit-empowered that results in experiencing the life of Christ in you. They both talk about works. But one is effort to become. The other is because we've become already. There's a huge difference. It's a joy. It's out of delight and not duty. And so my encouragement to you is to rely solely on him. 
So where does that leave us? If we're, if we're going to move forward and not go back, there's some things we have to realize. You have to realize, if you think you become a better Christian by trying harder and improving your behavior, you've been fooled. I'm not a better Christian because of what I do. I'm in Christ and He's in me. How can it be any better? Now, we, we express Him more fully when we surrender to Him. But that doesn't make me better. They remember when Jesus was walking? And they called Him good. And He said, there's none good, no, not one. It's Jesus saying that. It's not by works. Confidence in yourself will lead you away from having confidence in Christ. That's a huge cornerstone. Confidence in yourself will lead you away from having confidence in Christ. Any area in my life that I have confidence in myself, he's going to frustrate it eventually. So that my confidence will be 100% in him. You ever been there? You ever been frustrated? Trying to find your way, trying to find God, no matter what you do, it just falls apart. Have you just decided to give up and ask him what he wants? Man, that's a fun time. I promise I'll speak if you do that. Two, faith. You have to realize that faith is living your life based upon your confidence in Christ. And you're being led by the Holy Spirit. See, what did Abraham tell his son when his son asked him? Oh, God will send a sacrifice. <laughs> Where's the sacrifice, Dad? We're counting on God for that one. You know, let's just, let's just keep going a little at a time. Give God time to get that ram over there. We're going to just... God could go... And make the ram appear in the thicket. You want to see God move faster? Run to him. Come on, son, let's get going. Because God's going to do it. I believe it. I believe it. We're going to, we're going to act based. Let's get, let's get up there quick so we can see God work. Let's get chills. That's how we ought to do it. We ought to run to him. But we're afraid of him. That's the problem. We're afraid he won't deliver. We're afraid he won't answer our prayer. We're afraid he's going to leave us out twisted in the wind. That's the truth. Well, I would never say that. Then let's talk about the way we act. Do you act that way? Do you act like God's not going to deliver? If he were to tell you to give your entire check to the homeless for a month, not the church. Let's not even go there. But to the homeless for a month, would you do it? Well, now you're going to Midland now. Wait a minute. All the earth and the fullness thereof belongs to who? So you ain't got no money. All the money, all the retirement plans you think you have could go just like that. People lose $100 million in a day when the market changes. 
Now, those of you who have $100 million in your bank account in retirement, you're in jeopardy. If you have more than that, it could be a couple days. It could go just like that. You ever, had, you ever had a bleed on your money? It seems like no matter what you do, it just bleeds out. I always check my tithing record to see if, make sure I'm, that's right, honestly. That's what it says in Malachi. And he goes, well, that's Old Testament. Well, then read it in Matthew, where Jesus said, I would have you do the greater things and that as well. So, I don't know how you got on tithing. Well, you know, yeah, I do, because it's 100% of us. We can't have areas of our life that don't belong to Him. All of you, your future, your comfort, all of it belongs to Him. What if He wants me uncomfortable for the rest of my life? So be it. To fulfill the sufferings of Christ. That's my wife. We're working on faith with her. I know you don't want to hear this I don't want to hear it either but it's true what if what God wants you know Terry and I will sometimes have y'all ever seen these off grid building shows we've seen the one where they make these huts out of mud and straw like they you know they do all over the world and we're like oh no I couldn't do that but if God called us to that he could or not even that. She's like, you better know it's God. <laughs> we better know if he calls us to that. So listen, faith is living your life based on your confidence in Christ. As you're being led by the Holy Spirit. That works for us every day. In every moment. When, if you're trusting him. And you see open doors where you can share. Or open doors where somebody's just pouring out what's going on with them. Where they're hurting. And you're able to... Doesn't the Bible say to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice? So there's comes a time when you weep with those who are weeping. And I'm telling you, when you're in a low spot and somebody's just there for you. Let me, I mean, let me tell you something. Don't go in with the Bible and start quoting verses of people. How many of you love when people do that? We're, you need to edit this. Just shut up. That's what we want to tell them. I just need somebody to be here for me now. There's going to be a time for that, but it ain't right now because I'm hurting. And then there's people who are rejoicing. Don't get envious or jealous. Celebrate with them. Celebrate for them. They'll always remember who was there when they're hurting and who was there when they're high. When spiritual opportunity, that's how spiritual opportunities are built, folks. Walking with people, not being a Bible encyclopedia. You know what? I really don't care how much somebody knows when I'm there. I want somebody to empathize with me, right? I just want somebody to care. And half the time the scripture is quoted out of context anyway. Here's one of the, here's one of my, I'm completely off the road here, it's okay. Well, God can work all things together for good. Those are called according to his purpose. You don't know where that comes from, anybody? We quote it all the time, you all know what, that's a conclusion of Paul. 
After Paul had been shipwrecked, he had been stoned three times, left for dead. He had been despairing even of his life. He'd been suicidal. And that's what he learned. Please don't quote that to me. Because <laughs> that's learned by hard life experience. Some of you already understand that. Already understand what it means to be in a situation where your life is so bad that the enemy will come in and lie to you and tell you you're better off dead. Nobody wants to talk about that, but I will. Because I know how he works. He's a, he's a booger. That's a Hebrew word that means bad dude. See, if he can't get you to live his way, he'll try to take your life away. So live in your life based on your confidence in Christ. Live your life based on your confidence in Christ as you're being led by the Holy Spirit. That's how you experience victory, folks. Three, God doesn't accept or reject you based on what you do. When you put your faith in Christ, you become 100% accepted. 100%. All of it. All of you. There is nothing to keep you away from the Lord. Nothing. You can't ruin it. You can't mess it up. Well, what about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? It says that's the unforgivable sin. You know what the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is? Anybody? Thank you. The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is this. When the Holy Spirit comes to Mark and says, Mark, you need to be saved. Mark, you're lost. You need a relationship with Christ. You are outside the family. Jesus loves you and you're a sinner. If you turn your life over to him and put your faith in him, he'll save you today. And I say, no, I'm denying what the Holy Spirit is doing. That's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That is the only unforgivable sin. Everything else can be forgiven. Because there is no other hope. There's no other way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And so be careful. We need to live in the fact that we're accepted. And not go back. You know, it's so funny. Terry and I were watching this show on... uh, 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 abandoned uh, uh, places that have been abandoned in history. Do y'all ever know what I'm talking about? Love it. Love it. Yeah, really interesting the stories behind some of this. Some of it's kind of predictable. You see it and you're like, oh yeah, that's from the war. But we saw, uh, how many of you remember in 1986 the Chernobyl power plant? Remember that? I remember where I was when I heard about that. Well, we were watching that one yesterday morning. She says, where do you find all these shows? <laughs> these new shows. So this is an old show. <laughs> But we were talking about that, and the, the, it melted down and it spread nuclear radiation for miles. There was a, it was a Russian master-planned community that was within three miles called uh, Pripyat. You ever heard of Pripyat? Yeah. They were showing video of this, like, just got people just in one. What happened was they waited 48 hours to get those people out. They left them there. They were being showered with radiation. They left them 48 hours. But then because it was a master plan and it was so big, they booked them out. You know what they told them? They said, you'll be back in a few days. So just pack up what you need for a few days. And they never returned. 
You think, what on earth does that have to do with this? Pripyat is our life before Christ. We think that we're going to go back in a few days. We think that we're going to return. We try to return. But listen, folks, we can't go back. Once you've tasted the grace of Christ, once you've tasted new life in Him, we can't go back. Don't go back. It's poisonous and dangerous. It's radioactive. It will blow up what God's doing in your life. And you're going to miss out on what He has for you. And you know what? Nobody has done anything that's too far gone. Nobody, but you don't know what I've done. I don't care what you've done. You could be a murderer. God used murderers in the Bible. We would be, we'd be really nervous if a murderer came in here. But yet we love King David. He was a murderer. What about Moses? Moses was a murderer. It doesn't matter what you've done. It matters who you know. He takes care of that other. And our behavior cleans up because we're walking with him naturally. You don't have to clean your life up to come to him. If you did, then what you're saying, I really don't need you. I only need you a little bit. I'd rather your life get worse and be broken down and busted open. Some of you are, please don't say that. If that's what it takes to get us to turn to Christ and be saved, I'm in. Because the life that he provides you is far beyond what you could ever come up with. I want you to picture your best life and then realize that that's far less than what he has planned for you. And if you even wonder if that might be true, I challenge you to talk to him about that this morning. I challenge you to not walk out of here and leave that unsettled. Why don't you find out if what I'm saying is true? And then if I'm wrong, throw it out. And I'll throw it out too. Come and tell me I'm wrong. Get that a lot already. (laughs) Come tell me I'm wrong. I've never had anybody tell me that I'm wrong on this. I've never had anybody surrender certain things of their life, whether it's their job, their family, their finances, or their future, that have ever come back and said, man, I wish I hadn't done that. They've all, 100%, have come back and said, I am so glad. Why did I wait so long? If you're feeling the leading of the Lord, the Spirit of God stirring in your heart, say yes to Him this morning. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes.